0: This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hello, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm talking with Quinn Bo, an epidemiologist at the Massachusetts Department of Public Health. We'll be discussing how cross-discipline collaboration among state and local health departments improves surveillance for an outbreak of salmonella in Massachusetts. Welcome, Quinn.
1: Hi. Thank you for having me.
0: Salmonella is a big problem with our food worldwide. Tell us what it is and how it affects a person.
1: Yeah, um, Salmonella is a bacteria that causes diarrheal disease in humans. Symptoms like um, you know fever, diarrhea, stomach ache are usually associated with it. Um, they usually begin about twelve to ninety-six hours after you become infected with the bacteria. Um, it's also one of the most common pathogens causing foodborne illness.
0: Can it be deadly?
1: Yeah. The CDC estimates salmonella infections cause about 420 deaths every year
0: in the United States. Is it easily transmitted?
1: Yes. Uh, there are three main ways to get salmonella in no particular order. The first is from contaminated foods such as eggs, poultry, milk, um, unpasteurized milk, specifically in juice, cheese, raw fruits, and vegetables. Second, it can be transmitted to humans from animals, particularly reptiles, amphibians, and birds. And third, it can be spread from person to person when an infected person doesn't wash their hands after using the bathroom.
0: How many people does it infect each year worldwide and in Massachusetts in particular?
1: So, the CDC estimates that salmonella causes about 1.2 million illnesses every year. On average, uh, Massachusetts reports about 1,200
0: cases per year. And how does it get in our food supply?
1: So, you can get salmonella from a variety of foods, but food animals, such as chickens, often serve as the reservoirs for the pathogen. In fruits and vegetables, salmonella is considered a contaminant that may be, you know, introduced from contact with human or animal feces.
0: So these huge outbreaks of food are due to basically somebody poo touching the food somewhere along the line in the vegetable chain? Is that what you're saying?
1: We consider it a contaminant. So we don't think that fruits and vegetables naturally harvest salmonella. We know it's sort of prevalent in in animals like chicken. Um, But... You know, anywhere from farm to table can be an introduction of what we consider contaminants. Like, we don't consider salmonella to be naturally part of fruits and vegetables, whereas we sort of expect it to be in chickens um, just historically.
0: There are outbreaks going on right now in onions and in peaches. People tend to think of salmonella as more associated with meat and poultry, as you just mentioned, poultry. But actually, vegetables seem to be more the more likely culprit in recent years. Is that right?
1: So among outbreaks linked to food in particular, the two big ones in 2020 have been linked to produce. But in past years, it's been sort of a mix of both. So according to the CDC, three of seven foodborne outbreaks were linked to produce in 2019, and then most salmonella foodborne clusters in 2018 were linked to poultry, and I'm emphasizing the foodborne aspect here because there have been recent outbreaks associated with backyard chickens and live poultry as well, as I mentioned above. Are there
0: any treatments if a person does get infected?
1: The good news is that most salmonella infections resolve without any treatment. Antibiotics are typically only used for severe illness.
0: And what would be considered a severe illness?
1: So there are people that become hospitalized or, you know, go to the doctor. Um, often if you have weaker immune systems, then, you know, the diarrhea could be extreme or, um, you know, someone who's, who has comorbidities and gets a fever, um, then they would be probably, and this is, I'm not a clinician, um, but, you know, subjectively a clinician would maybe in that case treat them with antibiotics. But for most healthy individuals, salmonella resolves without treatment.
0: I see. Okay. Um, Massachusetts um, has mandatory reporting to the health department if a person is sick with salmonella. Is this important?
1: Yeah. As our report highlights, salmonella isolates are required to come to lab for sequencing. And then the reporting of salmonella can help to identify clusters of outbreaks that the public health authorities can act to prevent further illness in
0: the community. What systems does Massachusetts use to track infectious diseases?
1: So we use an integrated web-based surveillance and case management system called Maven, that stands for the Massachusetts Virtual Epidemiologic Network to track over 90 reportable infectious diseases. Um, electronic laboratory reports for these for you know this, these 90 reportable infectious diseases come into Maven automatically.
0: Your study was about the collaboration between epidemiologists and laboratories using whole genome sequencing in Massachusetts. First off, how does epidemiology work in tracking down an outbreak?
1: Um, All commercial and clinical laboratories in Massachusetts report salmonella infection to Maven. Once a case appears in me, then the local boards of health are notified uh, for case investigation. This is where those classic epidemiological variables, such as person, place, and time, are collected, as well as an extensive food and animal exposure history. Then, epidemiologists like myself at the state health department review these case reports for commonalities.
0: And how does whole genome sequencing work?
1: In Massachusetts, isolates are sent from commercial and clinical laboratories to the state laboratory for confirmation. Until 2015, the Massachusetts Department of Public Health used a DNA fingerprint method called Pulse Field Gel Electrophoresis or PFGE to identify local clusters and then we report these isolate patterns to CDC's PulseNet. So both PFGE and whole genome sequencing are molecular genetic approaches for pathogen identification. The whole genome sequencing allows for more precise detection of the strain-typing tool. The higher resolution we can see with whole genome sequencing allows for a more concrete understanding of relatedness
0: between strains associated with an outbreak. And how were they used together to find an answer to this outbreak?
1: So, when we used PSTE data only, a total of 84 isolates were included in this cluster Epidemiological case investigation identified a venue associated with several case patients in a geographic area, and then whole genome sequencing data and narrowed the scope of the investigation to a clade within the larger cluster of the PFG phylogenetic tree.
0: Was this an unusual approach?
1: It was a fairly novel approach at the time of the outbreak investigation when PFG was the primary method of DNA fingerprinting and analysis of sequence data was performed at the CDC. But now in 2020, all state laboratories have transitioned from PFG to whole genome sequencing for fingerprinting, and then sequencing of these data can now be performed in-house. Oh,
0: but I mean the collaboration of epidemiology and whole genome sequencing. Is that unusual to partner those two?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, You know, one thing that is unique about Massachusetts, you know, oftentimes the laboratory and the epidemiology staff are, you know, work in silos. But in Massachusetts, we work very closely together. They meet monthly to go over cluster outbreaks. Um, and, and the collaborative work between the laboratory staff and the epidemiology staff really, I thought, you know, expedited the investigation.
0: Uh, so, is this an approach you think all health departments should be using?
1: Yeah, it I really helps to streamline the investigation, and I think, um, you know, our cluster demonstrates how important that is.
0: Why do you think the EID Journal chose to publish your study out of the thousands we receive every year?
1: So, it was a brief report just sort of detailing um, one of, you know, many common food investigations we do, um, but, you know, when public health works well, it often goes unnoticed because we're preventing additional disease. An incredible amount of work takes place to reduce additional exposures after someone sees a clinician for infection that may not be obvious to the public. So our report highlights both the importance of public health and the importance of collaboration among jurisdictions to combat foodborne infectious disease. It also, as mentioned previously, underscores the importance of collaboration between the laboratory and epidemiology staff. Um, to get the work done quickly. You know, too often they're siloed, but in Massachusetts we work closely together.
0: Why don't you give us a brief summary of your study, the years it covered and how you conducted it?
1: The investigation took place from October 2018 through December 2018, so really just two months. Our study report illustrates that classic epidemiological case follow-up integrated with molecular approaches to cluster detection expanded the scope of a restaurant-associated outbreak, open communication between epidemiologists and laboratory personnel about epidemiologic and whole-genome sequencing data narrowed the scope of the investigation to a clade within larger PFG clusters phylogenic tree. This allowed us to focus investigative activities on 18 cases and improve the timeliness of the control measure implementation. We have identified an infected food handler who was probably probably shedding Salmonella, and then if hygiene practices were inadequate, could have contaminated ready-to-eat foods such as lettuce and tomatoes. Um, alternatively, a ready-to-eat food could have been the common source for all 18 cases in this cluster.
0: In previous E. coli outbreaks, uh, such as the one in spinach about 13 years ago, people were advised to not eat it raw, but to boil it for at least a few minutes. But with all these recent salmonella outbreaks, people are advised just to throw out the food. Why is cooking it not advised with salmonella?
1: Um, The new advice is probably more comprehensive to account for food handling practices. Food handling can be an important source of transmission for salmonella. For example, cross-contamination on a cutting board or undercooking can result in food poisoning with salmonella.
0: So it's not really any r- intrinsic difference between um, cooking and not cooking with E. coli and salmonella. It's more just caution about people not actually being able to take the care that would be needed to keep the food safe. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah I think so. I think, you know, as Malbreak sort of highlighted that, um, you know, potentially if the food handler who to- may be implicated, it was the handling process that may have caused the transmission. You know, the other thing is when you're eating fresh foods, there's no kill step. So I think in an abundance of caution, that's probably why the advice has changed.
0: I see. Okay. Well, tell us about your job, what you do, and what you like most about it.
1: Um, Epidemiologist at the Bureau of Infectious Disease and Laboratory Science, we have to answer five Ws, who, what, when, where, and why. Looking at breakneck speed and situations evolving over seventy immediately reportable conditions in Massachusetts. I think it's exciting and it's given me the opportunity to work with, you know, a range of different people such as clinicians, laboratorians, animal control officers, local boards of health, federal regulators, supervised care settings, and the public on a wide range of infectious diseases. Um, I've seen the, you know, firsthand the importance of data collection and basic epidemiology and public health, um, and I've also learned to communicate more effectively with a wide
0: range of audiences regarding health risks and disease prevention and control. What do you do for fun and relaxation in these mask-wearing, social distancing times?
1: Um, I spend a lot of time outdoors. Um,
0: hiking, um, swimming, bicycling. We uh,
1: you know, we have a small yard and we usually just work and or you know, go out. Um, but this past you know, these past six months we've spent so much more time in our backyard. Um than I've I've used my backyard more than any other year I've lived in this house. Um and you know, hiking is a great activity. Um you know, when we are wanting to see Relatives, we host them usually in our backyard, six feet apart, of course, with masks on. Um, so, just I guess outdoors for us have have been in my backyard. Okay.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Quinn. Well, thank you for having me, Sarah. It's my pleasure. And thanks for joining me out there. You can read the July 2020 article. Linking epidemiology and whole genome sequencing to investigate Salmonella outbreak, Massachusetts, USA, 2018, online at cdc.gov/eid. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.